Hey guys, if you notice something different, welcome to the shack. We're video recording. Uh, it's not going to be perfect, but we'll work the kinks out. Anyway, uh, today we got a lot of uh, really cool information going on. We got a special guest coming in later. He's supposed to be here. He ain't here right now, but he will be here. I promise you. A um, couple things that have happened. I just picked up the uh, an article right before I left, actually, about this guy. Uh, got a bunch of corpses and stuff in his house and uh, got that Rudy case, that kid who got kidnapped, allegedly. And actually, he wasn't kidnapped at all, so we're going to dive into that, too. Um, during this week, has anything crazy happened with you guys? Anything? Yeah, you got anything? What, what, what happened there, I Zach? In, I was in the hospital. Why were you in the hospital? My wife had a baby. How about that, guys? Hey, now, this will be the top story, to be honest with you. That's, that's an exciting moment. So, uh, tell us a little bit, Zach. How'd that, how'd that go? Oh, for one, I don't like hospitals. Hate them. <laughs> so, this was my wife's fourth kid, my second. So, I've already experienced it before, but just I can't stand staying in hospitals. And I know I go there for, like, first responder-related stuff. That's okay. But when I'm actually in the hospital for something like me or family-related, right? don't like it. Put a finger on why you don't like it? More the uh, dry air. Dry air? Yeah. Okay. It, it messes me up. It made me sick. So I stayed the night when my daughter was born, and it made me sick staying there. Well, this time around, I went home and slept at night, then what, came back early in the morning. What kind of sick does it make you? Like, I, I don't know. My nose gets runny. Kind of gives you a sore throat, kind of. Really? I've never it heard just, of that. Lance, have you heard of that before? Well, funny story. This actually did happen to me when my first, when my first kid was born. We were over in, um, we went to Maryville's where we went, and uh, same ordeal. We go to the hospital, and it was like twenty four hours after he was born. I got like super sick, and it was like, I mean, I was, I, was, I stayed in the bathroom. Yeah, it got to the point. I don't know if it was I was being stagnant or I was, I don't know what the deal was, but it was absolutely ridiculous. Like I, all the food, you know. Of course, they have some good food, but I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't eat my cheeseburgers and pizza right. outside of that hospital. So I think that's probably what it was. That and I was being stir crazy in that room. I think and the food was maybe poison. <laughs> food poisoning? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I think I was just being. I won't say what I want to say, but I just think I was being a little sissy or something because I'm telling you, like, dude, I was eating like, you know, just regular stuff. People were like happy that we had, you know, had a right. kid, whatever, bringing us food, just being kind. But the end result was I was absolutely sick. I, I it got to the point to where I was out there walking laps around the hospital to just try burning off all the crap that I was eating. But it was, I don't know if it was from that or. Maybe, you know, the way the nurses and doctors come in all the time, dude, like in some of the normal hospitals, like some of the regular ones. Is that is that what you had going on? Oh, yeah. They're coming in like every hour, probably more like two hours. Yeah. Checking on her. I'm just, just, I never heard of the dry air thing. I never. Heard. Yeah. You stay in there long enough, it messes with you, which is oh. surprising because of where we work and what we breathe in. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you think the hospital. I mean, that's. As a business, that's probably one of the most clean places as far as being clean. Right, right. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't stuff there because obviously there's sick people there, you Mm -hmm. know. 
they're bringing all kinds of stuff, but they do really clean a lot at most quality good hospitals. Right. Um, maybe it's something to do with the heating cooling system. Is that oh, possible? Maybe. I mean, I turned the AC down and it barely moved. Really? It was started off room, uh, warm in the room. Yeah. I turned it down. It got down to about sixty-eight. Still I, felt dry. It's just the air. Yeah. No, wow. Air quality. Now, when uh, what what time? Let's ask some more details. You had a child that was born. Yeah, so we got to the hospital at 5 a.m. So my wife was getting the doctor's appointment on Monday. The doctor wanted her to come in Tuesday so he could induce her high blood pressure. Yeah. And he, he broke her water about 6 a.m. And 11.43 a.m. is when he was born. Wow. And how 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 big? How how long? He was seven pounds nine ounces. Thought he was gonna be over eight pounds. Yeah, but he ended up a little bit smaller, twenty and a half inches long. Dang, he's a long good. baby. Yeah, not nice and healthy. Everything's oh, yeah. good. Everything's yeah. good. We tell his name on uh, on air or not? So we decided to name him Dylan, which is my middle name, spelled exactly the same. It's awesome. Then his middle name is James. Yeah. He's named after my grandfather that passed away. Good deal. Healthy boy, I guess. I mean, he's good. He's real healthy, so uh, my wife doesn't want to call him DJ. Doesn't want that nickname. He can decide that when he's older, when he's 18. But we've known a couple DJs that she doesn't like. She's like, yeah, we're not not calling him DJ. Isn't that the epitome of women, though? Like, it'd be... Not calling your wife Petty, but I know how my wife is. She'd be Petty like that. Oh, we can never, you know, when I, we were naming our kids, she'd be like, well, we can't name we can't name our kids this, this, and that. And I'm like, geez, how many damn things do we need to come up with here? We, I swear we would name, we would have names picked out. And it, by names picked out, I mean there'd be like a list of 30 to 40 names. I'm like, whatever, you know. So in turn, well-known fact, my oldest boy Huge Fast and the Furious fan. He's not I am. Dominic Toretto. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's what I named my kid after. It's funny how people get hung up on names. Um, speaking of kids, grandkids. Uh, I've got a brother-in-law that didn't want his grandkid to call him some certain name. And I'm like, he wanted to be called Grandpa. Yeah. And I'm like, it doesn't bother me what my grandkids call me. You know, I mean, as long as it's something that's decent, I don't care. Right. If they call me by name, I don't really care. My main thing is I want to be in their life and be called by something. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't Absolutely. care if they want to call me Papa or whatever, but uh-huh. it's funny that she don't real picky about the DJ thing. You know, it's funny that. Yeah. But but I get that. Some some people want their kids to be called by their full name, not yep. even a nickname, you know? Yeah. Um, so I get that. Like Robert, you know, I want him called Robert. Well, most people, Robert or Bob, right. you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. It's uh, I guess. Yeah. His name is Robert. Call him Bob. Oh, do you? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I picked that name. <laughs> yeah, I had a buddy of mine, and when I was growing up, going through school, Robert. Robert was the name we all called him Bob. But it was kind of funny because na- talking to a kid named Bob when you're that young, it would right. kind of give you that look like, I guess that's kind of an old name or something. It is. It's like an adult name, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. What it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was thinking too. My uh. My youngest boy, so we had picked out, we picked out a name, and if it was a boy, it was going to be Lincoln, and if it was a girl, 
I've lost touch with what we were going to name because we didn't find out until he was born. That's what that's what we did. Nobody knew. We didn't know. We told them when they were doing ultrasounds, like, hey, we don't want to know. We're just running with it, right? Little surprise. And uh, we get we get all the way to the end, and I had I had all those letters picked out for the nursery to put up on the wall and everything. So I had Lincoln laid out, and again, I can't remember the girl name, but we're in the hospital. My son was born, and me and my wife were sitting there. She was holding him, and I'm I'm staying over shoulder, kind of looking at him or whatever. And uh, she says, "What's wrong?" Because I had that that look, that little blank stare that I just had there. This blank stare, and I'm looking. And uh, by the way, our special guest, if you drinks, whatever. Anyway. So we're sitting there and I'm looking at looking at my son. I said, there's nothing wrong. I just, it's not Lincoln. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she, and we were just sitting there kind of kind of BSing for maybe a minute. I was like, he looks like a Finley. And it like immediately, that's what it was. Stuck from that moment on. Yeah, it was like, it was kind of weird. People were like, I thought it was going to be Lincoln if it was a boy. And we're like, yeah, well, it just, it wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's weird that you could look at kid and go, I had that, that that don't fit. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. He's just a baby. Right. I think anything would fit at that yep. point. You know, but you uh change your mind at that point. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you have your name picked out beforehand? Yeah. No no thoughts so, of changing the, the name when you saw the baby? No, so we had my daughter. We had a boy and a girl name picked out. Either Juniper, but we ended up naming our daughter. If it was a boy, we were gonna go with Theodore. Mm-hmm. But we didn't plan on having another kid or birth control for so We found out it was a boy. We were kind of rethinking the name Theodore. Decided to go with my middle name. Did you say uh, your your other one was birth control baby? Did I hear that right? No. No. Your, uh, this one that we just had. Yeah. yeah. She had birth control in and it failed. So. Isn't that weird? It's a same thing happened with uh, with us. As you know, how many times? Maybe three or five times. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really sure. No, it wasn't five times. It was three of my four of my kids were birth control babies. Wow. Yep. Wow. Which I'm not knocking any of this. Whatever. I'm glad they're here. Right. Oh yeah. But sure. I mean, boy, what a shocker that is, right? Oh yeah. I mean, when you find out that somebody's on birth control, my wife on birth control. And she gets pregnant. I was like, "How lucky!" Right? What in the hell? <laughs> Which well, I mean, it's weird how it works because we're all in. You know what I mean? Like oh, our yeah. kids, it's awesome. I wouldn't see it another way. But oh, yeah. damn. So <laughs> your wife was on antibiotics though, too, right? Yeah, because she had an impacted tooth from the dentist. Right. So they put her on a antibiotic that they didn't tell her could make the birth control not work while uh-huh. she's on those antibiotics. Right. And the one time we happened to do the deed, right? She got pregnant. So wow! I must be very fertile or something. <laughs> I don't know. That might be a good thing that the dentist could have shared with her when yeah. he gave her the antibiotic. Uh, I'm uh, thinking, uh, but <laughs> you would hey. think they'd say, uh, "By chance, are you on?" You know, or something. Right? You know what? You should just forward the hospital bill to the dentist to office. The dentist. Like, I think there was a mistake. I think the fuck not. How <laughs> about a know. college fund or something too? You know? I don't know. If- I was, I was talking to Lance or you about uh my wife ran into this lady at Snooks, I think last week. We were talking my wife was talking to her about how we she ended up pregnant. 
that lady's daughter is on the same birth control my wife was on, and it failed as well, and she ended up pregnant. Wow. Huh. Can't remember the name of the birth control, but wow. it looks like there might be issues with that birth control. Sounds yeah. like it. I wonder if she was on antibiotics of some kind, too. Or uh, I don't think she said she was. It just failed. Wow. That's not good. Now, hey, did I ever tell you guys about when I lived in Hawaii, the rude comment that somebody threw, threw out to us? No. So we were at the Aloha Stadium, and they have a uh, every weekend they have a swap meet there. And it's a tourist trap, you know what I'm saying? But it's cool. Like, they got people out there carving wood sculptures, you, you know, the Polynesian culture doing their thing. They're selling Hawaiian bread, like, not, not stuff you're buying from the store. Way different, way better. So, I think, like a, like, a part of the gig when you go to Hawaii, I feel like as much of a tourist trap it is, and some people don't like that, I think you need to do it, right? And uh, we were walking around, and we got to... I'm wanting to say maybe the north end, north end of the Aloha Stadium. We were going, we were going clockwise, and as we come across, there was somebody from Hilton or whatever trying to sell. I'm, I'm thinking it was like a timeshare package, right? And she's barking up the wrong tree, right? I'm poor, like when I say poor, I barely afford the gas to get there to walk around to look, right? How many kids did you have at this time? Uh, we have five. Okay, so that's why he's poor. I think. I'm poor. <laughs> I'm cruising around, and we get up there. This lady, you know, hey, sir, you know, they do their sales pitches. I'm walking. And I said, hey, it's I'm not interested. You know, and I was trying to be nice but firm. Like I, I, I'm not going there. And she was like, no, 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 but I want you to hear the pitch. I said, listen, it's it's not gonna happen. I'm sorry, but I, I, I gotta go. And she was like, please, I need you to sit here and just listen to the pitch. Just see if you like. It. I said, you don't understand. I don't have the money to afford this, right? And she was like, are all these five kids yours? <laughs> and I'm like, it, this is, a, I don't even know what this has to do with anything in this timeshare package. And I look at her, I'm like, uh, yeah, why? And she was like, are you guys Mormon or something? With this disgusted look on her face. And I'm, I'm like, I'm looking around like, there's got to be a damn camera tomorrow. I've got to be on this some kind real. of, there's no way somebody had tried sales pitching me and then comes at me sideways. Are you Mormon? No, I'm not Mormon. Okay. And not that it's a bad thing or, but that is irrelevant. You're trying to sell some timeshare package that by the way, terrible idea. Oh yeah. Awful idea. We hear the damn radio stations. Oh, if you got to get out of your timeshare package, I'm the lawyer for you. Come yeah. on board. Let me show you what's up. Like what? What are you? I couldn't believe the audacity. <laughs> Crazy. It happened, though. Well, I actually had uh, a timeshare thing. Hijacked his talking about his kid here, but I went to a, a timeshare meeting, and the question the guy asked me is, don't you want to make memories with your kid? Like, I've got to spend $30,000 on a timeshare to make memories my, with my kids, and I... I just thought that was a horrible sales pitch <laughs> that I, I can't make memories with my kids unless I spend $30,000 on this timeshare and travel the world, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of like your deal is like, where do they come up with these, these, these slogans or these sales pitches at are these out of a book or what? Because that's terrible to me. You know, I make memories with my kids in my backyard. Yeah. You know, I'm, you're out in your garage with your kids. You're making memories, you know, mm -hmm. you're not, you don't have to go out of, out of town and make memories. I thought that was kind of crazy. Anyway. Well, I, you know, I'll be honest. I feel a little rude, like we're bashing timeshares, but truth be told, Zach does have a timeshare, 
he got involved in this. We called an attorney to get out of it, but he couldn't do it. Isn't that right, Zach? I don't know what the hell you're saying <laughs> over there. <laughs> well, you know, he is, a, he is a young dad. He might need a timeshare. He might you need know? a timeshare. I don't know. Timeshare people messaging here going, hey, I got this best good deal here, whatever. But, yeah, and I don't know. I haven't never investigated timeshares, but I just felt like I was really pressured, being pressured to buy this. And at the time, I was like, man, I was poor. I had two kids. Barely paying my bills. The last thing I needed was to spend $30,000 on a timeshare, you know? Are these timeshares, like, is there, are you indefinitely involved? Is it like a time frame of like, oh, you're paying this much money for this amount of years? Or or like, how does this work? Because I've always heard rumors, but I've never heard. If you sat in on a meeting, you would know more than me. I don't. This has been years ago. I was just newly married. So it's been a long time. I've been Uh married a long time. But uh, just the other day, one of our coworkers was talking about, he has to pay a thousand dollars a year maintenance fee or whatever it is to stay involved. You mm-hmm. gotta pay it. You have to pay that. Thousand dollars a year. Whether you use it or not, I do believe. So yeah, yeah I think you're indebted forever, like every somebody transfers to your kids even possibly. You what? Know? Yes. Yes. I don't know about that. I don't either. That's what somebody was saying the other day. Even your their kids might have to pay for it. I'm like, that does not make sense. Because no. they didn't sign up for it. Hopefully that's not the case. Right. But anyway. Yeah. But anyway, Zach, you can make memories with your kid. You don't have to have a time. Share. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've uh, I've got great memories of my kids. We didn't have a time share. So anyway, but I'm glad so, your kid was was healthy. That's awesome. All no, five fingers on each hand. So, yeah. And that's why that's weird that you think about that. But I I counted when my kids came out. I counted. You know, <laughs> I want to make sure it was all good. Yeah. In technology nowadays, when you do ultrasounds leading up to the birth, they can see everything. Yeah, that's awesome. They can yeah. see defects. Isn't that weird? They have the uh, the 4D or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's the Looks creepiest. like an alien. <laughs> I can't. I'll be honest. They were like, oh, isn't that cool? And I'm like, it is cool. But it creeps me out. Like like this cloudy image of, of like, yeah, it's a human being. It's your child. But it's, it freaks me out. Oh, isn't that cool, Dad? And I'm like, uh, yeah. You know, that is an awkward moment. Okay, Lance, since you've had multiple kids. Uh, did any of your kids when they when they were born they look kind of funny? You think, wow, his head shaped funny, or um, did you have any of that going on? So my first my firstborn, he did have a little. I don't want to say a huge cone head, right? But I mean, he was coned out, <laughs> and they're oh, yeah. like, don't worry, don't worry, Dad. He it's it's gonna go back to normal. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. I don't even know how to respond. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody yeah. gets everybody gets offended by everything. They they do. Mm-hmm. But I I you know I had never talked about that with anybody. Um, but when my both my kids were born, you know, after the first one, I realized his head went back to normal shape. But it was kind of different looking. And yeah. I thought, is something wrong with this kid, or is he okay? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so their bones aren't all fused together. They're still soft and malleable. Right. So their head kind of gets squished down to get through the birth. Right. That's why it comes out cone shaped. Yeah. See, nobody told me that, Lance and, and Zach. <laughs> nobody, nobody informed me of that. So here I am, a young man, 21 years old, looking at this kid, going, "Man, am I going to have to deal with this the rest of my life, or what?" You know, yeah. This kid looks I'll funny. Him in the new Conehead movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, and, and sometimes these kids they have a um, have an issue, and they'll put a helmet on them or yeah. shape their head. Right. So my daughter had a helmet. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, her head wasn't shaped right. Yeah. Hey, uh, just real quick, we got a special guest. He has arrived. 
Um, Megadeth City coming at you. All right, guys, now we had a little technical break. Um, so why don't you go ahead and uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, most, most people know me as Mr. Wonderful. So <laughs> it, it typically gets, uh, gets uh, a good laugh at the doctor's office, I'll tell you that. So I did get a call uh, one time because uh, I had some paperwork and stuff I needed to turn in. And they, they actually called for Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, you yeah. got a reputation. Yes, yeah, I do. I got a reputation to hold. Uh, Justin, go by a lot of different names. Uh, hey, you. Uh, most of the guys and gals at the uh, mill know that uh, can get a little bit profane sometimes. Some you probably can't share on the air. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, quite an environment over there. So, I thought I was demented before I got to the mill, and I found out I was I was absolutely wrong absolutely wrong so five years later you can only imagine how that goes so but uh really you know the the details of my life are uh quite inconsequential really all right so uh so how old are you what do you yeah what, what's your gig like how old are you what year were you born uh, i'd like to know where you were born too well uh 43 uh october i'm an october baby so libra uh 1979 so it seems like a billion years ago maybe not so much to kevin but uh mm -hmm. to me Thanks, buddy <laughs> yeah but uh yeah october baby i love the fall halloween uh i originally wanted to get married on uh halloween if you can believe that you know candy costumes parties all the time yeah. but uh i i ended up waiting until uh the very last moment for tax purposes so uh, december gotcha. 30th anyway uh to have a little fun here my uh father was uh relentlessly self-improving uh boulangerie owner uh -huh. from belgium with low-grade narcolepsy and a penchant for buggery my mother she was a 15 year old prostitute from france with webbed feet all right <laughs> what movie is that off of oh it's uh awesome i just thought it was my father would drink. He would womanize. He would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. So, that was a uh, good series. Yeah, well. I, you know, I, I think all of us uh, think we may not be as interesting as really we really are. But uh, good with my hands. Uh, getting out to the mill. I didn't have really any industrial training. Uh, specialized. I came from FedEx, if you can believe that. Which... For all you folks out there, FedEx uh, really is an awesome job. If you like not having to deal with uh, management, uh, but you like people and uh, you like being out and about in the community, I uh, highly suggest you give that one a, a, a look. So it's with FedEx for about five years. Uh, I was in logistics for a while, uh, direct sales for about a decade and a half. Uh, I'm a marketing uh, trained market research uh, formerly in college. So, you know, I like to crunch numbers and stuff. Uh, good with my hands. So when I got here, I had, uh, been on the tail end working with my old man. He, uh, once he got out of the funny thing about my old man, I, you know, they say go to college, get a degree, right? He wanted to, uh, be Jacques Cousteau. So he got a biology degree. You know what he ended up, you know what he retired from? What's up? 
he uh he was running he was a general manager for a lot of different car factories uh making parts for Ford, GM, mm-hmm. uh you know, Chrysler at the time, Pontiac, Toyota. So kids even adults if you're listening out there uh you don't necessarily have to go to college. You got a good mind on on your head and uh if you got good work ethic you can really make anything happen. So uh but anyway, he retired and uh he ended up purchasing a cabinet factory in Mount Vernon and uh we would make uh custom cabinetry. So I did a lot of the finish work, uh sanding, staining, uh top coats, and then I would also help out with the installations. And uh that was when you're making a good product, you know, you can really take a lot of pride in uh what you do and feel very confident uh that people get what they pay for. So um, he ended up retiring. He, uh, had some health issues, so he had to get out of that. And then, uh, lucky for me, I had to, uh, really pursue my dream of becoming a millwright and, uh, got a job at the mill. So I've been there for about five years now. And, uh, really the best aspect of that is a couple of good crew members and, uh, continuing working with hands. I, I always wanted to weld and, uh, I was afforded the opportunity to do that. So doing the cabinetry, you do a lot of, that's a lot of hand work. You're doing a lot of sanding, a lot of a lot of finishing, a lot of all all these these skills you develop while doing uh, the cabinetry. I'm sure have transferred somewhat into the mill. You know, into, I I believe so. Yeah. I you know the cabinetry and working with wood. I uh, see it more as an artist. You're really an artist. Uh, what I did find out though is uh, one, you don't want to uh, be in a painting booth without a respirator on. Right. So uh, we know a couple guys at the mill that would be like, screw that. I'm going in there. Right. Uh, let, me, uh, let, let me ask you a question real quick before you continue on. You said that the mill kind of translated from like cabinet work into the mill. Uh-huh. That's kind of weird to me. I'm gonna, I got to be honest because we're like a bunch of gorilla pick up a bigger hammer type of type of employees sometimes, you know, and, and I don't mean that in a sense of derogatory by any means, but in the industry we work in, specifically is extremely extremely heavy equipment that we work on it's old decrepit and we're using everything is supersized coming from a background of working with wood i don't necessarily think you guys might have done exotic wood maybe you did but i just imagine that how was it the transition from thinking of working with your hands from a perspective of wood where you can't add wood back versus predominantly metal steel right well definitely uh at at this point it's it's good because if if we cut a piece a little short at the mill you just put a little bit more weld on it a little bit more weld (laughs) right but uh yeah we we had to we were within a 30 second right as far as uh measurements we had a guy out there his name was adam and uh shit you not man that dude was uh he was amish right so uh his work ethic was uh not go, 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 but it was very attention to detail. So really, we never had to uh, worry about being off because Adam had it covered. Adam, Adam had this stuff cut up, ready to go. And the way he would assemble the cabinet boxes, I mean, mm-hmm. these things were, you know, they say uh, roaches and what is it, like rats and stuff would be able to survive an atomic blast. Yeah, these cabinet boxes would be able to do that too. So, Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, on, a, on the same topic about Adam and the Amish, you know, I seen a time-lapse video 
uh, they had the foundation port of this barn. And when I say barn, I don't mean a standard barn. It was, it was like a perpendicular setup. So you had your main barn and then a connecting deal that was connected to the main barn that was running the opposite direction, perpendicular, right? They erected this barn all the way, studs everything all the way up to the sheathing on this barn in a day. And they did a time lapse. Those, those people have it figured out. There's no other way around it. Like they're so, so efficient. Are you are you saying that they had uh, video cameras out there? Somebody did. Okay. Probably the farmer who was like, I can't even believe this. I have to show everybody because nowadays everybody wants things. They want it right now, but it usually comes at the sacrifice of quality. Right? Not with the Amish. They, I mean. Unbelievable craftsman, they really are. I I was uh, I I will absolutely agree with that, and uh, it was just a sad day when uh, you know, obviously I think uh, if the health issues didn't get the best of my old man, uh, he'd still be doing it. You know, I mean, we, Adam Adam was a great craftsman for sure. So, but every time I I talk about the Amish, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, seen the movie Kingpin. Yeah. Oh my goodness, brother Hezekiah. I, you were telling that story, Lance, and all I could think of was uh, when they were out there raising the barn and the dinner bell rang. <laughs> and uh, brother Hezekiah, uh, Woody Harrelson, decided to just jet for the the, the food line, and, and then uh, it all all went to crap. So, yeah. Wasn't he the guy holding the barn up? or, or like yeah. He had some... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was holding the barn up, and he was like the pivotal point. Once he let go, man, everybody was like... <laughs> you, you talk about this Adam... Um, Amish guy and how good a craftsman he was, and and uh, he didn't rush to do things. Did you learn traits from him during this time when he was were working with him? Well, uh, or did it inspire you to be a better? Be it does. I never him? got really that much of an opportunity to work close with Adam because, uh, you know, growing up with my old man, it's be the best at what you can be, right. kind of thing. So I had two, three jobs at one time, and and just so happened to be helping my old man with the cabinet stuff. So. When I was there, it was strictly, we had tons of unfinished wood that needed to be finished. So as soon as I got there, as the, the paint booth was getting ready, uh, staining, you, you know, that was, that was my, my gig. And uh, the way that it kind of transfers, just to circle back to what you were saying, Lance, earlier, yeah, it's wood. And uh, my dad would, because you, you'd asked about taking some off a little bit more often than you should have. I had actually said that to my old man one time where I thought that working with wood was easier. And uh, my, ba- my dad had been in the automotive, automotive industry for a while, and he had the complete opposite. He's like, no, he, when I'm working with metal, it's like, you said it, and that's it. Like, so, uh, but the way it kind of transfers in is I was working with my hands, and it's more of an artistic approach. Once you put some stain and some top coats and stuff to the, uh, the wood, it really, really makes it pop. So, yeah, I, uh, I loved it. And uh, being out at the mill here, since we get to work with our hands, I I just like watching the uh, metal fuse together, you know. Um, so that's kind of an artistic thing too, because I think we all can agree that uh, there's there's guys that can weld out there, uh, but sometimes those welds don't look super pretty, you know. True. And uh, I take a lot of pride in and you look at me for. Well, you're you're actually <laughs> you teach me, Kev. I teach you. How do I, I mean, teach the, you? the way you handle that stinger, man, it just it does kind of look a little small in your hands, but. Right. Uh, you know, that stinger, the way you flip it back and forth, dude, it's... I have my own technique, I know. You do, yeah. you do. Speaking of techniques, anybody ever uh, 
been introduced to, uh, we won't go into super specific names, but, uh, you know, a guy that has wagon in his nickname. You guys ever heard of the, uh, dribble down method? No. No, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's probably not going to pass any structural, uh, inspections, but, uh, but that's technique, the dribble down. So you got like this big two inch gap and you just kind of dribble it down into the, the weld. (laughs) Yeah. So, but, uh, it's, I I love it, man. There's guys out there that have some techniques. Uh, you know, you guys know Sebastian and I'd been there three years or such. And, uh, I was expecting some, uh, veteran guys to be able to pass along a little bit more knowledge than, uh, what the hell are you doing? Once you get your ass over here kind of stuff. But, uh, crew came up and gave me a restart uh idea with uh because i was getting a little bulge in my restart and he taught me how to do kind of the c method you strike in front of uh, your bead come back swoop on top of the uh the weld right where you, you left off and it deposits and, and it looks almost flawless so yeah there's I've st- i still got a lot to learn looking at uh nick's setup over here i mean i should be uh probably paying attention to your manager really so yeah he's uh he's legit hey and now, so you're a millwright. You work in a steel mill. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. What what made you decide that that's what you wanted to do? You know, as soon as I came out of the womb, man, it was like I had this uh, dream where I would be in the most disgusting environment that I could possibly think of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd be able to make a difference every day. And uh, I would be working with uh, super fine uh, management and coworkers. And uh, as soon as the opportunity that I heard they were opening up the second furnace, I was thinking to myself, that's it. That's what I've been looking for my whole life. My yeah. dream job. My dream job. Dream job, right? You know, here. screw, screw me and Jeff Bezos, man, and yeah. having billions. Or, uh, you know, uh, Elon Musk, you know, changing the world by uh, – Flying remote rockets on the rafts out into the ocean and shit. Justin, you but, forgot good-looking men. Yes. Gotcha. Well, not all of us. Not all of us can be blessed like you, Kev. <laughs> so, <laughs> not all of us can be blessed like you. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you, he, he's talked about the job, but you never told us you are married, correct? With two kids. Uh, I do have two kids, married, and uh, just came we'll, from a we'll, ball game. <laughs> we'll see how far that goes, but. Uh, yeah, my son was playing ball tonight and, uh, he takes after his old man. He's got two left feet. Right. Yeah. So it does, you know, you win some, you lose some, you have great games, you have not so great games, but, uh, like I tell him, you know, playing games is a simulation for life, you know? So it's, uh, sometimes it doesn't always go your way and you just got to keep grinding it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. I, I was thinking back to the days when. My boy was playing baseball, and and you know we talked about it at work before. He was he was killing it, doing his thing, and you know he he hit the burnout method. And one thing that I always I always think about in life, and it, it was a good lesson for him. He never went back to it, so he didn't really quite figure it out at the moment. But I think that's a that's a moment to reflect for him to where. Regardless, life's going to beat you down. Like, there might be something that, and you know how it is playing baseball. It, it's dirty, it's nasty, and it's in the hottest part of the year. And it seems like there'd be like four or five games that are brutal. Like tonight, it might not be temperature-wise high, but the humidity is out of control. I mean, look at Kevin. He's sweating over there like crazy. My back, I'm almost stuck to the chair. 
Well, I will say this. Uh, if he was outside and uh, your manager didn't take quite good care of you, I mean, he obviously went above and beyond to make sure that uh, we were as comfortable as we could be in here. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. We were a great manager. He is fantastic. I, you know, I wanted to thank you, Nick. I pulled up and uh, red carpet service, uh, the ladies out front, you know, they, they definitely they came out and greeted me. Right. You know, and uh, they took my uh, Gucci leather jacket and uh, coat checked it for me. So uh, we'll have to take a look at that later, you know, because if I find uh, any of my pocket lint missing or uh, scratches in my leather, we're going to have some problems. He's nothing but the finest host. To be honest, <laughs> hey, good looking out, Nick, for real. Like, this is awesome, right? That's like, we, awesome. we got a Thank space. You, Nick. And, uh, you know, we'll just, we're just going to be honest here. Does it look like a studio? Depends who you are. I think it looks like a great piece. It, ain't, it isn't perfect by any means, but I'll tell you what, this is way better than the alternative. We were on the flip side of things not long ago. By not long ago, I mean, what, a week and a half ago? Right. And for some reason, there was that stupid speaker in the wall of that joint that kept saying swinging the hood. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I have no idea. I hear it all the time. Did, any, did, did we ever find hood, that Aubrey. stupid speaker? But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll just move on to yeah. the next one. How, how do you think about this? You ready to move on to the next I'm, question? I, I, I'm actually, yeah, yeah. I, I just, when you said swinging the hood, I just thought of, uh, yeah, uh, Bill of Millwrights, uh, we need some toilet paper up on the charge floor. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't even get me started. So anyway, uh, on the end of failure, when I say failure, I'm not saying my boy failed, but he failed to, to get the hint of like driving on. You know what I'm saying? Going through that. What's something you failed at? And let me caveat. Let me caveat. Let me give you the full question. So tell us something you failed, failed at and how you overcame it. Well, I think it's safe to say uh, a lot of young men, and uh, I will just say young men, young ladies don't really have uh, that, that big of an issue with schooling school was not really uh i didn't enjoy it y you know it's uh you sit in a classroom all day and uh i it's just you know I, i'm more of a hands-on kind of guy that's how i learn learn best and uh so we'll fast forward out of high school i wasn't really all that awesome in high school i had b's and c's but uh, i got to college and uh well i figured out some independence and uh mom and dad weren't around so uh thankfully my mom is not uh not with us anymore to be able to hear me talk about some of the crazy shit that I've done in my past but uh we'll keep it kind of PG rated so in case my old man hears this but uh got a little out of control uh ended up having to go to a JUCO college for a little while and uh I was able to get my shit together and uh you know I was A's and B's when I went to JUCO got back to got back to university and realized that when you Fuck up pretty bad, man. Your past just kind of comes with you. So I wouldn't say I struggled when I went back, but it was, uh, you know, you got to dig yourself out of the hole and uh, just continue to drive on. Ended up getting my uh, marketing research degree. And, uh, you know, I guess you could say the rest is history, but uh, being able to overcome that particular aspect of things, realizing that you got to buckle down and uh, sometimes do things that you really don't necessarily like. But, uh, I was one of the few people that I hung out with in, in college that actually received that diploma, so I got that going for me. Right. Yeah. So persistence, right? You just Persistence is key. That and um, finding more and more throughout the years, discipline, you know, being able to do something when you don't necessarily want to do it. Uh, discipline, big deal. Discipline and persistence. Yeah. Which, uh, 
it, it's good you talk about that, and I hope I hope my kids see this video or listen to this podcast because my oldest boy, as you guys know, he started doing his. Uh, he's going into his senior year. Started looking into colleges and whatever. And you know, one thing that one thing that I've kind of told him is, no matter what you do in life, nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. And when you think you got the world by the balls, life's going to beat you down. And it's whether you get up from that beating and just keep on taking the beating until the other side. This is just me. I firmly believe that it only brings you out the backside. I don't want to say on top because I'm by, by no means am I on top. But I think getting my ass pummeled for the last, how old am I? Zach, how old am I? 34, aren't you? No, no, no am I? I, I uh, he, he looks like uh, Rip Van Winkle over here, you know? Rip Van, Rip <laughs> Van Winkle with a little bit of uh, Kevin, just for men. I say you're right. I was born in 89. Well, you're I'm about 30, to turn 34, right? 34. When's your birthday? Um, I don't release that on the air. But anyway, no, <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, like, back to what I was what saying, though. birthday present? Well, I expect one. Well, we need to know your birthday then. Well, I can't, I can't tell you. <laughs> But anyway, um, in that case, this uh, Monster Energy drink I brought for you, Lance, it's an early that birthday present. That is a present. birthday present. But I'm gonna pay. I got cash on the side. Don't worry about that. But anyway, um, I think back to what I was saying about my kids, and I hope they're listening to this. Like I, I, I've been getting beat into the ground, not physically, but the way the the way the world will beat you down, essentially, right, for a long time. And honestly, I. I just the way I figured is you just put a smile on your face and enjoy it and just keep coming back for more because eventually that system's going to give up. Whatever system that you're involved in, you keep showing up no matter what. The classes, you hate your classes. I'm sure, guess what? Discipline kicks in. You just show up. Oh, this is a stupid assignment, which I can't speak on this behalf because I didn't go to college. I went to a uh to a trade school, right? Which, you know, that's most of us are all along them lines. We went to trade school. You're the odd man out here. You went to university, right? Well, I, I am odd, so. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, it's like, it's one of them things. I think probably the best lessons I particularly learned was you're a young gun, you go through all this stuff, you think you're, you're cream of the crop, and then you get to the real world, and there's, there's a lot of haters out there. And, well, and they will, if you let them, they'll make you give up and walk away. But don't give up, just keep going. That's the difference between winners and losers, man. You know, uh, life will, I, I was thinking about this, you know, uh, cause you got your questions. You were saying, what, what is the one song that you'd want to kind of have your theme walking out to? And it was that Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash song, uh, sooner or later, God will cut you down. You guys ever listen, yeah. heard that? Yeah. Perfect song. Johnny Cash. Uh, man. but yeah, you know, what, that's the difference. Like, Hey, uh. We had a little commercial break. Kevin, you were talking about failures earlier. Yeah. I was talking about failure. Uh, we were discussing this question we had and um you know i'm older than you guys obviously all you guys by quite a bit but there's been many things in my life that uh i never failed at because i never tried it you know sometimes to, to to have failure you have to try things and i was so afraid of failure that i never tried things hence why i didn't start a new career till i was 51 years old i was at a job for over 30 years right out of high school because I was afraid of failure. Um, I never bought a welder for myself because I was afraid of welding. Um, 
all these things, I was afraid of failure so bad that I put off doing things that I should have done years ago. You know, career change, buying a welder, whatever it may be. Um, and I just, I'm just curious, Justin, have you ever put off something because you were afraid of failure so bad that you just put it off and didn't do it? That's, I think that's a thing that uh, a lot of the younger, younger guys, uh, battle with really it's, uh, you know, you don't want to look like, you know, a big piece of shit and then, you know, right. be made fun of and stuff. But, uh, I, I consider them uh, mentors, even though they probably have no idea who I am, you know, like Michael Jordan, as an example, he, he says he, he was such a success because he failed so much. Right. You know, and once, uh, we're able to understand that failure is the gateway to growth, then that really opens up a lot of doors. Right. So I, I, I agree. I'm right. I'm right there with you. There's yeah. things that, uh, I kind of held off just because I was scared of what people would say and right. what have you. So. And, and you've, you've kind of, I, I admire you and you, you started your own business. You know, you went on your side and kind of did your own gig and, and I've wanted to do that myself, but I've never done it because I'm afraid that might fail too, you know? So I admire that fact that you're not afraid to go, Hey, I'm going to start my own business, you know, on the side, I'm going to do this deal. And, and that's awesome. Um, but, uh, there's probably many people listening that are thinking the same thing. Hey, I want to do my own gig, but I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of failing. So I just don't do it, you know? And, and, and here uh, I would, I would interject just for a second here, Kev, just because, uh, I've been blessed over the last few years to be surrounded by some like-minded guys. You know, you got, you got some of your old fellas in there that we talked about earlier where, uh, Lance, you know, they, they hate on you. They hate on you for wanting to be successful. And, uh, you know, if, if you're willing to be able to get surrounded with people who share the same mentality with you, uh, it's really, it's really a, a positive thing. So, uh, what I want to take the opportunity is for anybody listening out there, if you want to be successful in life, this, this country's founded on being a business owner and owning property, you start looking into that and finding mentors to help you through that, you will be just fine. Don't be scared of failure. Zach, you got anything on, on some good good topics on failure? Um, first started working. Got into maintenance. Kind of afraid. Kind of step up and try different things that would still work. Just kind of started trying them, failing at it what I was doing wrong. I think that helped me overcome that fear of failure. Kind of gave me more confidence doing the job. I, I will say this, Zach. Uh, you're not necessarily failing when you're doing the crazy shit some of the older guys are doing, like uh, walking out there with no harnesses and shit. So, yeah, it's quite <laughs> okay. You're, you're just fine. Yeah. I think at work is probably where I've kind of had the most failure, but learned from Failure is the gateway to success, fellas. No. But, you know, I, I I was talking about failure earlier, and, you know, I was thinking about this earlier after reading over some of the kind of questions we were going to talk to you about or whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, I, I think that was, that was a turning point for me, discovering failure is like the biggest teaching moment, right? And I remember I was being, when I, when I came to the mill, I was asked, I, I don't want to get this out of context here, but I was asked something along the lines of, how do you view 
when you mess something up. So immediately I jumped to the whole failure thing, right? Like how do I how do I view failure? I think for me the biggest success I've had with where I'm at now, which I'm not anywhere where I want to be, but every time I fail, I use that as my ultimate teacher. Like messing things up on whatever I'm doing it is it, it's the biggest teacher. And and usually what I'll do is I'll fail and then I'll question like I guess I won't even put this in the perspective of I fail. I'm learning, right? So I'll look at every little thing, and I won't harp on the small things, but I'll be like, man, why am I failing? And then I'll look at somebody who's doing it on a scale of something I'm trying to achieve, and I'll see him doing it. And and what it basically boils down to, like we said, like you said earlier, Kevin, don't be afraid to do it because the minute you're afraid to fail, you're never going to figure it out. You know what I mean? You're always going to be left in the same boat that you've been in for however long you've been doing it. And it, it is the most trying thing in my, it has been in my life to continue to not do something because I'm scared of failing. And and it like, I got so competitive with myself. Like I, I, it was just like enough is enough. Like you're doing it wrong by sitting back and being like, yeah, I, I can't do that. And the longevity of just, Again, life beating you down and beating you down and whatever. And, and you just take a look at everything you've ever done and then you can evaluate how you, you can get better or whatever. It, we'll just say at whatever you're failing at, how you can get to that next level by doing it. And, and maybe it doesn't make sense because in my head, I'm like, I'm going crazy. Like I see all these times that I've ever just, just screwed it up. You know what I mean? And uh, a prime example, when I, was in the, uh, when I was in the army, I was an infantryman, right? For everybody who doesn't know. And uh, what they do, it, it, it's not all the time. I, I, I served during, during co- combat times, right, during the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and what they would do once in a while, it wasn't an annual thing. It's the EIB, Expert Infantryman Badge. And it, it's like one big, it's a series of tasks, and they'll, they'll have three lanes set up. Each lane is like 15 to 20 tasks. That you have to do now. When I initially came forward, it, it, <clears throat> you're dealing with a bunch of combat vets. So the mindset of combat vets was, I've got my CIB. Not all of them, but uh, a majority one. I got a CIB. Why do I need an EIB? Right? CIB. You get it. You've been deployed. You get into a. Uh, they call them ticks, right? If you will, tick. You get in a firefight. You're you're in the middle of combat. You get. I don't want to say awarded necessarily, but you get a CIB. I have one of them too. But the EIB was strictly task, right? And now, when I first, I, I listened to the hype of the guys who had the CIB and, and they were doing their thing and whatever. And I, I bought into the hype of, I didn't want my, I didn't want my EIB because I, I, the CIB was, was the end all be all. Well, one day, somebody, I don't remember who it was, but they're, they're a wise, a wise dude. They only wore an EIB and they were like, listen, anybody can get, on orders to deploy and can get shot at. They can come out the backside just fine. Or, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it's not that the case, right? But anybody can go do it. But it, you really got to buckle down to get your EIB. And everything that you do, it may not be in, in real time, right? So you might, it might not be the perfect way to do something, one of these tasks. Like, like it might not be the real way to do it. But it's all about adapting. To, that, like there is a there's a specific standard, and it's to the point of 
everything you do has to be in perfect sequence and it's all time. Each lane is time. So there is no time to play around like boom, boom, boom. And I remember I went to Hawaii. They had an EIB coming up. There was a dude I was around who was like, dude, let's get it. Let's quit messing around. Let's focus on it. And it, it, it's kind of brutal. You're out there for 12 hours a day. And by brutal, I don't mean physically. It's not physically demanding, but mentally. Like, you're out there 12 hours straight going through these lanes or whatever, right? It, it's kind of monotonous. And, you know, it's easy to forget one of these steps and just by being there over and over. But I kept at it. I kept going. And I finally got that EIB. And I'll be honest, it was, a, it was kind of a weird moment because I'd spent so long, I guess, being afraid to put myself out there and to fail because I'd failed multiple times doing it. And then the time I got it, it was the weirdest feeling because I finished, you do a 12 mile foot march at the end. It's like, I don't know, 35 pound pack. It's not terrible to do, but you got, you got to be, it's like three hour time. You got three hours, complete 12 miles with the pack on. And it's usually not perfect conditions, which is whatever. I was in Hawaii. It, it was okay. Humidity is a little high there, but you know, whatever. When I crossed that finish line, I remember thinking, dude, that was it. Like all this time that I and I put all this effort and I, I finally got it. It was a good deal. But that fear of failure, I finally said, you know what, screw it. Like I'm going to go for it and I don't care. Like I'm going to give it everything I got. I did and I realized like at that moment, you can, you can really do whatever you put your mind to. That's it. Absolutely. I did something similar with like that. Physically. <clears throat> um, I took my real estate test, my real estate license. I was so afraid of failing that I studied like crazy, probably way overstudied because I did not want to fail. You right. know, I didn't want to tell my friends and family I failed this test. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people study that. They, they take that test and they fail multiple times. Sometimes. But because I was so afraid of failure, I studied like crazy and I passed the first time. Good. But I was afraid of failure. Just mm-hmm. like I, just like my, you know, I was 51 years old, same job since high school. I didn't want to leave my job that I knew very well. Because I was afraid of failure at the new job. And even when I come to this job at the mill, I was afraid of failure. You know, I was afraid I would never learn how to weld. When I found out I was to be a millwright, I, I passed that test. I became a millwright. And I was afraid of failing. And, and part of that comes out to be, like Justin said, your peers. You know, when, you're, when you fail and your peers are like, hey, man, it's okay. You know, I, but the guys in my crew, both, they've all told me, hey, you know, that's fine. You're getting better. Zach's told me I, several times. Hey, you're you're learning. You're getting better. Right. That's way better than someone going, "Hey, yeah, you suck. Uh, you'll never be good." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, terrible man. Yeah. You Dude. know. So if you're listening out there and you're one of them guys that don't, that are negative to the newer guys that don't know what they're doing, that's not going to help anybody. Nope. In the end, that helps no one. Be encouraging. If you see something they're doing wrong, give them a pat on the back and say, "Hey, man, here's what you're doing wrong. Here, let me try to show you what how to do it right." You know. Or, or you just be like, "Here, sniff this." Maybe. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry to be rude. I'm just looking through my questions here. We uh, we probably have time for one more, one more question at the rate we're going. So we'll do this. We'll do a little, little like either A, we want to do the would you rather, or B, work-life balance. What what are you guys thinking? Well, personally, uh, my work life balance is terrible because I I work all the time. Uh, if I'm not here, there, so uh-huh. I'll take a quick moment to plug plug the uh, the lawn jockey. You know, we take care of uh, all types of properties, not necessarily just lawns. 
but uh, you know, working with your air conditioner, plumbing, uh, some electrical stuff. So, but uh, also do uh, Doctor Fab and Weld, which is my uh, mobile welding service. So, give me a holler. So, but my my work life balance is kind of terrible. I try to spoil my kids when I can, but uh, trying trying to build my uh, empire, if you will. Out of those other jobs, what do you put more focus? Welding or the lawn jockey? Well, being that the uh, lawn jockey is definitely more established, uh, I've actually been doing that for uh, about 13 years, really kind of heading, heading strong for the last three years, roughly. Uh, so that's, that's really where the uh, cash flow is coming from. But since I love welding so much, uh, that's kind of a newer thing uh, for the guys out there that, that know. Uh, I've got a Miller Bobcat 250. That thing is a beast, man. So, uh, I, I, am uh, looking to run some beads, so, uh, I'd like to see that grow a little bit more. Yeah. The, uh, on the work-life balance topic, you know, I had this, I had this talk a while back with, uh, with my wife and, you know, you hear that a lot in the field that we're in work-life balance. Majority of us are on swing shift, right? Uh, well, not a majority of us, actually one of us is swing shift guy, uh, center of attention, special guest. Three of us are on straight midnights. And um, somebody was like, you know, you really need to find find a pattern of work-life balance. And I had, I had chased to do that for a long time. And I kind of came to the realization some time ago that in my mind, this is what I've convinced myself. I, I really can't make that happen. And the reason being is I've got, I've got five young kids that are growing up in a completely different world than I grew up in. And it ain't getting any easier. It's, I mean, you got interest rates going through the roof. What was once affordable is becoming unattainable. And what I've decided to do, the method that I've taken is screw the work, work-life balance. I have kind of dedicated myself to just working myself into the ground. And I'm, by doing that, I'm trying to show my kids that if you do it, things can change. And I, I also, I don't want to, I don't want to repeat the cycle that I see a lot of times. A lot of people, there's kind of a common thing to where, well, this, I did it. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. It's something I always hear. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not doing that with my kids. I'm pushing myself to the end to hand the, I want to pass the torch not say figure it out. That that's like been my biggest driving factor of screw the work life balance. I mean, I, I work I don't I don't work a massive amount. I, I, I usually do um I somewhere close to seventy hours a week. But I'm the drive time is the worst part. You know, I'm putting I do three hours. I drive three hours a day. Just just under three hours a day on the drive time. So on those double shifts that I worked 16 hour days, you know, we're pushing, showing up an hour early to get ready, walk down to the lock or down to work where we meet up and do our meetings and whatever a break room. So it usually pans out to 20 hour day, three days a week is what I do on top of the extra two regular shifts. And then we're doing the podcast and like, you know, I'm trying to, trying to push it if you will. But that's the main thing is I, I made that decision. Like my kids are watching. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not talking the podcast. I'm not talking whatever I'm talking. They're watching every move I make. And I want them to see, like, anything's possible. 
if you just push it. Just keep pushing the envelope, you know? And I, I want to touch on that too, Lance, where uh, I'm spending more and more time trying to guide my son, you know, and uh, I learned this a little bit too late in life. It's, it's not that it's detrimental, but at 43, it's a lot tougher to do at 18, 19, 20. But uh, if you're grinding it out and building your empire, okay, you're going to work your dick into the dirt from about 18 to about 30 to 35. And if you set yourself up correctly, you know, we talked about being a business owner and owning property. So if you buy those assets and you're generating the cash flow from the purchase of your assets by 35, you probably have a little bit better chance of uh, being uh, a little bit more work life, uh, work life and family balance at that point. Because the whole point is to get your assets generating the cash flow for you. And then what you're actually doing is, is buying your time back. So, uh, but I also want to touch on it too, that, uh, society, uh, has a thing for, you know, they'll tell you, they'll tell you that, well, you, you need to be a better, more around father, which I agree with. But then when you do that, since you're not producing, they're basically telling you you're a lazy piece of shit. Get back, get back out there and go work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, we're, we're kind of in a catch 22 here, but, uh, yeah, I, I admire you, Lance and, uh, Zach, I know you got a uh, new baby and Kevin, I know you got a couple of kids, but you know, teaching, teaching the kids how to be successful in the future is definitely getting more and more difficult. So, um, just, just stay at it, stay at it, grind it out, forego living the awesome lifestyle that you see on the Instagram and, and the, the, the top tick and the book face, you know, uh, be smart, take advantage of the way that the country's set up and, uh, buy your assets, buy your assets first become a business owner, get your tax shelters in order. And by the time you're 30, 35, then you start thinking about settling down. If you're single, you know, if you're, uh, having kids early, you know, don't beat yourself up too much because what you need to do, like Lance, like, like you were saying is you need to be able to show your kids how to do it. Sometimes showing them is the best way of teaching them. But, uh, yeah, I admire that. I'm at, all you fathers out there, I admire that. I know you guys got your kids' uh, interests, your best interests at heart. So uh, I just learned it a little too late. You know, at 43, learning being a business owner and owning assets and property is, is the way to be successful in this country. So you're not going to get rich working for somebody else, typically. Most people don't. Um, you, you make a good living sometimes, but. Right. You know, you're making somebody else rich off the sweat of, and, and blood, sweat, and tears off of you. So uh, take care of yourself. That for many years, uh, working for somebody else. Um, he's a millionaire, and, and I'm not. So um, that's why I'm here where I'm at. I, I, not that I'm becoming a millionaire, but I'm definitely doing better than I was. Um, I was afraid of the failure, but I'm here now. Well, well, and I'm still failing every day. But. Kev, I will say this. Even though you're saying you're here now, I feel such an energy sitting right next to you, man. It's like it's rubbing off on me. And I tell you what, I feel overjoyed right now. Thanks. Yeah, it's like uh, I'm looking at you. You know how people say that you're glowing? Right. I mean, you are like on fire. That's because I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> it's not glow, it's the sweat. It's not glow, it's sweat. <laughs> I actually, I, I consider myself a big slab of bacon, dude. I'm just fucking glistening is, what, is what's going on. Slab of bacon. I, I smell like maple bacon. Not really, but you know making me hungry uh well 
thanks for coming out. We appreciate it. And uh, it's a good time. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. Uh, keep up, keep up the good work. And uh, hopefully I haven't completely burnt my bridges and uh, I can come back and visit you again. So good having you, brother. Well, we're always here. Good times. Swing a hood on too.